Come on, guys. Thanks, Seth. You make me laugh. I love you, man. I do. I love you. It's good to be home. I just want to underline one thing before we jump into where we're going today. Um, water baptisms are a big deal, and it's next Sunday. And I just want to underline what he said. doesn't matter whether you've known Jesus for a week, if you become a Christ follower today, which would be cool, or if you've been walking with Jesus for 30 years. Some of you think, well, I got baptized as a Catholic when I was an infant. My parents did that. I honor what your parents did. The Bible, the New Testament says, repent and be baptized. It's a response, an adult response. And we'll, we'll go as long, young as eight years old. Kids, usually that's kind of the cutoff because we want them to understand what they're doing. But I want to encourage you guys. It'll be a great gift, one of the greatest gifts you can give to your family. And to yourself for Christmas is next Sunday, right here, both services. We bring the tank out. We heat it. There are no jets. It's not quite a jacuzzi. But we do heat it up. The water's heated. We do it during worship. It's a celebration. It's going to be a blast. So some of you, I know you. You've been thinking, oh, one of these times I'm going to do that. It's just, I'm waiting for it to be convenient. Uh, stop waiting. Just obey. Get baptized. Jesus said, get baptized. Follow him. And, and water baptism. I want to encourage you to do that. We do have lots going on. Seth covered all that, so I won't go through it all again. But anyhow. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2 today. If you've got your Bible, or if you've got your Bible app, I always encourage you to bring the Word with you. Uh, it's not a traditional Christmas passage, but... You'll see why I'm using it today in this beginning of this new series. Uh, we'll get there in just a moment. We started a series today called Love's Journey. And guys, I am thrilled. I'm so excited about this series and about Christmas Adam and Eve services. And uh, there's a flyer that you got that says Love's Journey on it, the little red Christmas thing. If you didn't pick one of those up, we've got lots of them. I want to run out of them and make more. They're not for you to take home and stick, you know, as a bookmark somewhere. They are for you to take and give away, to invite people to our Christmas Eve services called Love's Journey. It's going to be fun. But today we're going to jump into the series and uh, begin looking at a, another aspect of this story that I love. Uh, some of you, like me, have been to uh, third world situations on mission trips, or maybe you've just traveled. In fact, how many of you have been into a third world country and you, you've been there? Yeah, lots of you. You know. Uh, you've seen people living in squalor. You've seen the poorest of the poor. Uh, situations that are quite tragic and, and horrible, uh, squalor that's both heartbreaking and tragic. And if you've not been there, you've seen it on the news. You've observed it. You've seen it enough to know what I'm talking about. I've been in the, the slums of Mexico City. Uh, I have uh, been to Southeast Asia and walked to the villages, literally walked to the villages of Nepal and, and the Himalayas. Uh, like many of you, I've been to Guatemala and the villages and the poverty that's there. I've seen young girls, as old as maybe 11, 12, 13, selling themselves on the streets of Bangkok. Uh, it's a whole other story, but actually, we landed there. My brother and I were on our way to go someplace else. We were supposed to go to a hotel, got a taxi. The taxi cab driver didn't even ask, just drove us through the red light district. And I said, what are you doing? He said, well, I just thought maybe you... I said, dude, take me to a hotel now. But it broke my heart. I'm sitting in the back of this cab just weeping over these young girls who are selling themselves on the streets of Bangkok. Uh, I've been to the slums of Calcutta with my brother. Uh, an Indian pastor took us there to visit some of the people that go to his church. Uh, I've been to desperate, broken cities in North America. There's plenty of them here as well, from Portland to Toronto to L.A. But when I see pictures like this, I got a picture of a slum in India. I've been there. When I see that, my mind is flooded with both smells and sights that I will never forget. And I don't know about you, but it's the smells that, are, that, are, that stick with you. Um, the sight there, the picture, doesn't do it justice to show you how tragic and how broken it is. And unless you've been there, it really is hard to describe. 
Okay, now some of you are thinking right now, whoa, time out. I thought this was a Christmas series. Thanks for just ruining my Christmas spirit, you Scrooge. Well, listen, I am not trying to depress you. And that's not my intent this morning. In fact, I'll, I'll connect the dots for you very well in just a moment. Because what I need you to understand, what I desperately need you to understand today is that Jesus wasn't afraid to enter into our brokenness, into our filth, into our squalor, into our situation, into our world. And that's what Christmas truly is all about. Jesus left the glory of heaven, of being with the Father, being in that situation, and he came to our earth, which compared to what he had, all of it's a slum. Every bit of it's broken. And he wasn't afraid. What I want you to hear today is that Jesus wasn't afraid to enter into our brokenness in our world. And that's truly what Christmas is all about. How'd you look at uh, Philippians chapter 2? Let's pick up verse 5. Philippians 2, verse 5 says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now that verse right there, that first verse 5, you know what would radically change in our lives if we just lived that out? Let me read it to you again. In your relationships with one another, with humans, with people, have the same mindset, the same view, the same perspective, the same understanding, the same determination as Christ Jesus. Do you realize how much that would change everything about everything in our world if we just did that one verse? But Paul goes on. He describes Jesus who... Being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Here's the Christmas part of it. He, he left everything for us. Rather, says he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Now again, not a traditional Christmas passage, but what you need to see here is that Paul says Jesus left everything. He left all that he had, and he became one of us. In fact, he came to be with us and to die for us. The Apostle Paul here is challenging us in our relationships with people to be like Jesus, to be just like him. We shouldn't be proud. We shouldn't be arrogant. We shouldn't be self-centered. But instead, we should be servants, just like Jesus was. And he uses Jesus as the great example of the way we ought to be. But again, what I want you to understand is Jesus left the glory of heaven and communion with the Father to enter into our world and to be a humble servant. The point is, he came to us. Jesus came to us. He came into our grime and to our muck and to our filth and to our squalor and to our world, and he came to be with us. He came in an imperfect body, by the way. Some people, you know, once in a while I'll talk to folks and they say, well, man, it must have been really cool for Jesus because he probably, like, at three years old, he was walking on water and, and he had all these, you know, he never had a stubbed toe or, you know, as a teenager, he never got a zit. Not true. Jesus came into an imperfect body and experienced everything your body experiences. Yes, he had pain sometimes, maybe growing pains. Maybe he stubbed his toe. Maybe he did get that big old white head and had his, you know, let's not go there. He had to deal, though, with the same thing. He came into an imperfect body. God! into human flesh. He came into an imperfect family. Mary and Joseph are cool. And we know their stories and they're amazing, you know, but they were imperfect just like your family. And he came into a very imperfect world. And the Roman world at that time, Rome controlled most of it, was very, very hedonistic, very broken. And he came all because of love. He came because he loves us. In Matthew's Gospel, he explains the coming of Jesus fulfilled an ancient prophecy, and Matthew actually quotes Isaiah chapter 7, 
When he says, Jesus came to be Emmanuel, let me read it to you. Matthew 1, verse 22 and 23 says this. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Again, that's Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, here's the sad truth about this. Some of us have heard this passage, have heard, you know, Jesus is Emmanuel. We've sung the song so many times, so many years, that it's lost a bit of its impact on us. And I want to shake you a little bit today. I want to, I want to rattle your world a little bit. I want you to stop and think about it. For, literally think about it. Jesus came to be with you. He came to be in our situation, in our brokenness. Emmanuel, he came to be with us. The power of that, the impact of that has lost its, 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 uh, its strength in some of our souls and our hearts today. But I want you to remember again why he, he came. He came to be with us. At the end of the service today, we're going to take communion. And as we do, what I want you to think about is Jesus came to be with you. He came to be with you so that you could be with him. See, Jesus wasn't put off by our human condition. And I don't know about you, but that's really good news for me. He didn't look at me and go, hey, you know what, man, I would, anybody else but that guy? He, didn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't look at you and reject you because of your brokenness or your sin or your, your past, your experience. He wasn't repelled by filth or sin then. He's not repelled by filth or sin now. In fact, just the opposite. He was drawn to us by love. This is amazing truth, that Jesus knows everything about everything. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows every dark secret about your life. And he's drawn to you because of love. Love's Journey, the title of this series. Love's Journey, it's about God coming from the glory of heaven into the cesspool of our world to be with you, to be with me. Jesus didn't tiptoe around the despicable condition of the world that he lived in. He came to be with us in our imperfections, again, so that we could be with him forever. The ultimate journey, the ultimate journey of love is revealed in the greatest story ever told, the Christmas story. The story of God becoming one of us so that we could know him and his goodness. Think about it. For a moment, just let it sink into your soul. He came to be with us because of love. Every year we celebrate Christmas. You know, I love the holiday season. I love everything about it. But sometimes we forget the real impact of what it's all about. It's that God became one of us to be with us so that we could be with him. I'm a bit of a germaphobe. Uh, if you know me, you know that. I, I, uh, I'm not crazy about it. It's not like I'm whacked about it. I don't wipe you know, my hands every five seconds, and I'm not constantly worried about germs. I was on a plane for six hours flying back yesterday from uh, Friday from Hawaii, and yes, we had an amazing time, and it was awesome. But then there's somebody behind me hacking and coughing the whole time, and I'm thinking, man, would you just cover that up? You know, because there's, I just, it's like, you're in a confined space where people are sick, and I just, I think about stuff like that once in a while. But I've been around a lot of, of horrific situations. Back in 1985, some of you are old enough to remember the earthquake that hit uh, Mexico City. Official numbers say that about 10,000 people died. Uh, unofficially, it was as high as 30,000. The reason for the 20,000 people difference is the Mexicans didn't really want the world to know how many people actually died. And everybody there, and I was there, two weeks after the earthquake with the relief organization, Christian relief organization, we brought supplies, we bought water, and we were there. Two weeks afterwards, and I'm here to tell you, it was way more than 10,000 people died in that city. I stood out in front of Juarez Hospital, and some of you remember the pictures, that was kind of the big story, is that the hospital literally collapsed and, 
floor upon floor upon floor, and it looked like a pancake stack. I stood right outside of that building, what was left of it, and the stench of rotting flesh, and again, not to disgust you, but to give you that sense of what I experienced was overwhelming. Mexican pastor invited us to his home. His home had been damaged by the earthquake. Uh, they were poor, didn't have hardly anything, but he invited us into his home and wanted to feed us a meal. And we're like, no, 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 but in that culture, it would have been offensive to say no way. And so we just said, yes, well, we gladly came. And so me and, and a couple of guys, part of my team, we went to be with this guy. And, and here's what they served us, cow tongue. Now, I guess for them, that's kind of a special deal. For me, I keep looking at it, it looks like a tongue. And it's, it's this big, massive tongue. And, and I'm thinking, wow, and then there's, uh, there's flies on this. At one point, I counted no less than seven flies. I mean, I know I'm sick, but I'm, get, look, I, there's seven flies on that thing. And then they slice it up, and they throw it in some tortilla, and they hand it to you. And you're going to eat because you don't want to offend them. And I've been in those situations so many times before. And, and given the choice between that and a ribeye, I'm going to choose a ribeye. Given the choice between the beaches of Hawaii and the slums of Calcutta, I'm going to choose the nice every time. But, and this is what I want you to hear, thankfully, that's not Jesus. That's not the nature of Jesus. He came into our squalor, into our filth, into our brokenness. He came to be with us. Luke wrote this in his commentary about the people Jesus hung out with. It's found in Luke 15:1. It says, now, that the now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. And that statement right there, again, if you've read the Bible a lot or many times, you kind of gloss over that without the impact of it really hitting you. But you need to understand that, that when Luke wrote this, he knew that this was going to be an offense to a lot of religious Jews. Tax collectors and sinners, the worst of the worst, the scum of the scum, the lowest of the low. These were the most despicable people on, you know, the planet as far as most Jews considered. It says, they... We're all gathering around to hear Jesus. Why? Because Jesus wanted to hang out with them. He made it his mission, in fact, to be with the worst of the worst and the baddest of the bad. He didn't come to hang out with the popular and the beautiful. He didn't focus on the brightest and the best. Now, if that happens to be who you are, great. And God loves you too. But God knows all of us. And he knows that even the best of us, even those who look pretty good on the outside, nobody is as good and perfect on the inside as they try to project on the outside. But Jesus made a point to come and be with those who were broken. All right, a little exercise here. I want you to think about the person you admire the most. Somebody. The person you think is off the charts awesome. Uh, pick your favorite political candidate, movie star, sports hero, or pastor, whatever it is. Maybe it's your spouse, whoever it is. This is the person you admire the most. Is it this guy? Maybe it's Donald Trump. Probably not. Maybe so, I don't know. That's, I'm not making any political comments. I'm just saying maybe that's the guy you admire most. Maybe it's this woman. Maybe it's Gwen Stefani. You just think she's amazing and, and she's your hero. I do like her on The Voice. She's kind of cool, isn't she? Um, maybe it's this guy. Hold the applause unless you're a Viking fan. Yeah, Russell Wilson. Maybe, yeah, you know, maybe it's this guy. You think, well, he's just awesome. I just love him. I hope he does good today. Or maybe, and here's one of my heroes, Billy Graham. Love Billy Graham. Uh, in his 90s and a whole lifetime of walking with Jesus and following him. Oh, here's my point. Guess what? Even on their best day, even Billy Graham, even on their best day, they are still broken, still desperate for a Savior. Yeah. 
Pick the person you admire the most. Think is just so cool, so awesome. Even on their best day, they still need Jesus. All their wealth, beauty, power, talent, and forgiveness, all their righteousness, all the stuff that they think that they have figured out is actually nothing more than what the Bible describes as a filthy rag. The prophet Isaiah, he didn't mince words, and he wrote this in Isaiah 64, 6. He says, we are all infected and impure with sin. When we put on our prized robes of righteousness, we find that they are filthy as a menstruating woman's rags. Like autumn leaves, we fade, wither, and fall, and our sins, like the wind, sweep us away. Now, that's pretty graphic again, but Isaiah said, here's the point. Nothing we do, nothing even on our best day can measure up. Now, what is the human condition then apart from God's grace, apart from his intervention in our lives? Well, the Bible describes it pretty clear, both Old and New Testament. We are infected. We're impure. We're filthy. We're putrid. Nothing more than withering and drying up autumn leaves. That's our condition, apart from relationship with Christ. Now, some people get very upset when I say that. I've had conversations with people, and, well, that's the thing I hate about Christianity. You're so negative, and all you focus on is the sin and the brokenness and the stuff, and, you know, and I've, I've been working pretty hard. There's nothing really bad about me, and I'm a good person. And I smile and say, you know what? Even on your best day, your own heart, your own mind, your thoughts betray you. So I bet today, and I'll look them in the eye and say, I bet today you've, you've thought something that you shouldn't have thought. Or you said something you shouldn't have said. Or you didn't do something that you should have done. Even on our best day, we're not that good. And the Bible doesn't throw that in our face to say, you're a bunch of scumbags, you, are, you suck. The Bible doesn't do that to just make us feel guilty. The Bible does that to point us to a Savior. To point us to one who is the answer, who can bring us redemption and restoration and renewal. See, the fact is, we are broken, but that's not the end of the story. Hope entered into our world in Jesus. Hope came. And when he came, he said, I, I've come to give you life, an abundant life. I came to redeem, restore, and renew you. I came to give you new life in me. I've got a friend who once upon a time, many years ago, he would have given Charlie Sheen a run for his money. Charlie's been back in the news quite a bit recently, and uh, he has, uh, I guess, HIV positive now. But when it comes to living a decadent life, my buddy, my friend, would have given Charlie Sheen a run for his money. But my friend today is walking with Jesus. And the day he met Jesus, that mercy, that grace, that hope of forgiveness of God became his experience, his new life. See, we're not just sinners saved by grace, though that is true. We have been sinners and we are saved. We are new creatures now in Christ because of what he's done for us. But we will always need, always have, always will need a Savior. And Jesus came into our brokenness. Frankly, and the reason I'm so passionate about this is he came into my messed up world. Most of you know my story. In my early 20s, I walked away from God, went off the deep end, and got messed up with a whole bunch of things. And what I remember, when I think about those days, the thing I know is that Jesus never turned his back on me. In fact, he pursued me. He came into my broken condition to bring me hope and to give me life. And to let me know that that doesn't have to be the end of my story either. And he wants to do the same for you. I love, absolutely love all the holiday trimmings, the Christmas decorations. I love walking into a decorated mall 
Yes, I do like the mall, get over it. I love seeing neighborhoods. You know, we, uh, we always at least try to take one night where we'll drive around and hit that. Who's that guy with got like the 100-foot tree decorated with lights? I wonder if that tree's still standing. I hope it is. But, you know, we, I love all of that. I truly do. I, I love the times that we, you know, have to sing the, the great Christmas songs and the Christmas, pro- I mean, there's nothing about the season except maybe the commercialism that I don't like. I love it. I truly do. But the truest picture of Christmas is not a lit Christmas tree. The truest Christ- picture of Christmas is not our homes all decked out in thousands of Christmas lights. The most beautiful holiday image of all is that of Jesus born in a stable and lying in a manger. And by the way, it wasn't anything probably like this, the little manger scene you have set up right now at home. Because that manger scene is probably immaculate. You've kept it all year long clean and safe, and you've dusted it, and it looks good, and it, it probably even smells good. The true picture is a donkey-drooled, manure-filled, fly-ridden place that Jesus was born in. Do you get that? It's a stable. How many of you have ever been in a stable? How many of you want to live there? How many of you want to have a kid there? It's disgusting. I mean, it's, it is a place where a germaphobe like me would just go, no. And the thought of having a baby and then putting a baby in a manger, you know what a manger is, right? That's where they fed cattle and cows and donkeys and cattle and cows are the same. That's where they fed these critters. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to blame the jet lag. But anyhow, they have this, this we have these beautiful pictures at home. But I, I hope, I hope, I don't want to ruin it for you, but I hope for the rest of this, you know, Christmas season that every time you look at a manger scene, you stop and think about this. Boy, that was a messed up situation, and Jesus came right there. That is not a beautiful, wonderful, lovely moment. That is a place that you would never want to sleep, let alone have a baby. And Jesus came right there. It is an amazing picture of his incredible love for you and me. Love that brought him into our imperfections. Unless you're perfect, this is really good news. He came into our imperfections. He came to live with us. He came into our squalor and into our wretchedness. Love's journey brought a perfect child into a fallen world. Why? What's the big deal? Why does this matter? Well, it matters because if you're bound by darkness and trapped in sin today, you need to remember that Jesus wants you to come into your world. He's not rejected you. I don't care what you've done this week, today. I don't know what your story is. But the truth of the matter is Jesus wants to come into your life right now, today. And he wants you to experience his forgiveness, his mercy, his grace, the freedom that comes from him. If you feel broken and hopeless, and I talk to people all the time, all the time. I had conversations. I got to speak a couple weeks ago to a Hawaiian church, and literally 90-plus percent of the people are Hawaiian or Asian, and just it was amazing. Just loved it. And, and I got to pray with somebody there, and, and, and I just, they're, they're broken. And there's this hopelessness that comes into their lives. You need to know that Jesus came to heal, to restore, to encourage. He came to meet us right there. That doesn't mean he magically fixes everything, but it does mean is that he will hold you close. The Bible says, the psalm says that he's close to the broken heart. And some of you, you know someone in your life right now, and they're wallowing in a filth of their own making. They are just messed up. And when I start talking about people who are far from God, that's the guy or the gal you thought of. 
They're the ones right now that they're just, everything about what they're doing is breaking your heart. Listen to me. You need to not give up on them because God will never give up on them. And he will pursue and is trying to come into their situation, into their world with his hope and with his forgiveness. Paul wrote this about the nature of God. I'll share this and we'll wrap it up. Romans 5.8 God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Powerful. God demonstrated. I mean, he just didn't tell you that he, hey, I like you guys, I love you, you're kind of cool. No, he demonstrated his love. How? By sending his son for us. But note what it says here. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In fact, leave that up, guys. Would you read that last phrase with me out loud? I want you to hear it. Pick it up with while. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When I was flipping God off, angry, vile, filled with all sorts of rage and sin, messed up, while I was still a sinner, even then, Jesus died for me. Jesus came to sinners. Don't let that escape you this morning. He lived with sinners. He died for sinners, for people like you like me. And that's the Christmas story. I want you to enjoy the holiday season. I want you to relish in the beauty and the majesty of everything. I want you to have fun and, and uh, decorate and make Christmas cookies and I like them, bring them to me. And, you know, I mean, I, all those things I want you to enjoy, but the greatest beauty that we celebrate, the one that we must celebrate most of all, is the sacrifice. The sacrifice Jesus made to come as Emmanuel. God with us so that we could be with him. Bow your heads, let me pray for you. Jesus, I don't ever want to get tired of thinking about what you've done. I don't ever want to get to the place in my life where I take for granted the sacrifice you made leaving the glory of heaven, the, the unimaginable. We can't even, our minds can't even wrap our heads around how glory, glorious and incredible it is. You left that to come into our wretched, filthy, horrific world. And you did it, you were driven there by love. And then when you came, Jesus, you just, you made a point of hanging out with the worst of the worst and the baddest of the bad. Those are the people that you sought out. You looked for them. You built relationships trying to show them the love of the Father. You became Emmanuel, God with us, so that we could be with you. God, I love Christmas. I love everything about it. But I pray that this morning, this early Sunday morning, December 6th, that you would turn our hearts so that over the next two or three weeks between now and Christmas, that we think about it every time we see a manger scene, every time we see a decorated Christmas tree, a decorated mall, we stop and think, you know, this is beautiful, but he came. He came to be with us in our brokenness. He came to be with me. Would you keep your head bowed and your eyes closed just for a minute? Maybe you're here today. 
and you are ready, you just know in your gut, it's time for you to say yes to God. It's time for you to embrace what Jesus did for you on the cross. You just know it. I know he's going to twist your arm. We're going to love you. If you're still seeking, investigating, man, this is a safe place for you to discover that. God loves you to discover his grace. So it's okay. But maybe you're here and you just know, man, it's time for me to come to faith, to cross that line of belief, to become a Christ follower. And every week, two, three, four, last week, seven people picked up New Believers packets. And if that's you today, you want to become a Christ follower, I'm going to ask you just to own a prayer. I'm going to pray the words. But if you'll just say, yep, God, that's, that's my heart. That's what I want. And that instant you do, that moment you own this prayer, then the Bible says that's when you're making the choice of going from darkness into light, from death into life. You become his. Make this prayer yours right now. Father, thank you for sending Jesus for me. I get it. He came because I need a Savior. And I need forgiveness. And I need mercy. And I need grace. I need you, and so I just admit to you right now, I'm broken. I've tried doing life my way, and I know now that I can't get where I need to be on my own. And so I surrender. I surrender my heart, my life, everything to you. I choose you. Thanks for choosing me. I love you. Thanks for loving me. Now, if that's you, again, just say, yep, God, that's my prayer. That's my hope. And the Bible, again, says that instant you say yes, you become this new creature, this new creation in Christ Jesus. You're his child. From now into eternity, you're his. Lord, seal that truth, that reality. I know they have questions still. I know there are things that they haven't figured out. But, Dad, God, right now, let them in their hearts know they are loved by the Father and that they belong to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. I know some of you will be tempted to leave early to get to the Seahawks game. Don't. Because what we do next is way more important than anything else we've done. Jesus said when he established what we call the Lord's Table or Communion, he said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. We have crackers, grape juice, simple tokens that are powerful in what they represent. There's two different kinds. There's a sealed cup. You just peel off the top and the wafer's there and then the juice. The other ones are double stacked. There's a cup, the crackers below and the grape juice is on top. In the back, at the information table, if you need gluten-free, we've got gluten-free. Stations front, side, two in the back. So plenty of space for you guys to go. And over the next two songs, we're going to take a couple of songs and do this together. What I'm asking you to do is just as you're ready, you move forward. You're not, you don't have to be in a hurry. You can pause there and pray. Thank God for what he's done for you. Uh, and enjoy this moment of remembering what Jesus did for you. That he came, he sacrificed his all for you. But I want you this morning as we worship and fill this room with praise. And as we take communion together to take those moments to say, God, thank you for remembering me. I remember you. Thank you, God, for loving me. I love you. Thank you, God, for coming into my filth. You sacrificed your all for me so that I could know you. You got a couple of songs to do this, but let's worship, and we'll take communion, and I'll come back and wrap it up.
The New Testament says that's the goodness of God that draws us to repentance. I love that. That it's his goodness, not his anger, not his disgust, but it's his goodness towards us that actually draws us to want to be near to him. Today, if you began your life as a Christ follower, or maybe you were the prodigal son or daughter and you came home, I would encourage you to tell somebody. Celebrate what God has done in your heart today. And on the tables, by the doors of the white emphasis for new believers, got a packet, Bible, some material, get you started your walk with Jesus. And we want to walk with you. If you want to hang out and go to the 11 o'clock service today, you can. That's great. That's about baptisms in the coffee chapel. You can go there and get baptized next week. That'd be awesome. And again, uh, if you uh, want to stop by and pick up some of these extra flyers to give away to your friends, that would be great. Uh, they'll come if you invite them. Uh, they, they may not if you don't, so I encourage you to take some of these. But if you need prayer, prayer team will be down front today. Uh, if you didn't feel comfortable taking communion during worship or haven't done it yet, again, it's still available for you to do so now. But here's my hope for you. Here's my, my encouragement to you today. Go remembering. No matter how beautiful your home is decorated, how beautiful your neighborhood looks, how amazing the mall is or whatever you happen to experience, it's the beauty and majesty of the season. Celebrate that. That's good. But remember in the midst of it that God came to be with us. And he came to a stable. He came to us because he loves us so that we could be with him. Let that be the point that you leave here with today more than anything. Love you guys. It's going to be home. See you next week. God bless you. Thanks for being here.